You got a Mipicast car. I want a ticket to watch the show. Maybe we can make a deal. Maybe together we can get a new host. Da 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 da. Da da da. Da 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 da. Boom. Boom boom. Any place is better. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose. Maybe we can have Rooney on again. Maybe we can do it, but he's just a loser. You got a Mipicast car. I got a ticket to watch the show. Maybe we can make a deal. Maybe together we can get a third host. Da 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 da. Da da da. And there we are. There's the Mipicast mm. opening. <laughs> That is fantastic. <laughs> I was not expecting a uh, a scripted like song. <laughs> I don't know the words to that song. I I contend nobody knows the words to that song other than Fast Car. <laughs> well, you did an excellent job um, bringing it up to the mythic cast here. So, <laughs> all right, yeah, welcome. The best intro yet. Oh, <laughs> look at that! High praise. So um, if you haven't been able to tell, uh, Will Northrup is the third man in here today. Will, thanks for joining us on the MIPICast. Hey, no problem. I was uh, glad to get the invite. Oh, anytime, anytime. So um, Seth had some technical difficulties getting started here, but I, I think everything is all set A-okay. I'm going to knock on wood, and hopefully Seth doesn't blow up his computer somehow uh, during the show. Uh, but well, I think... I'm all- I'm on 2% battery life, so if we could wrap this thing up, that would be good for me. Of course. Perfect timing, Seth. We we appreciate that. All right. So um, I figured we would start with the Patriots' victory over the Chargers. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to jump off or any thoughts on that uh, with the the, the victory in the eighth straight trip to the AFC Championship game. Go ahead, Will. I thought it was kind of rude of them to run up the score so badly. Uh, it was kind of nice that they let them back in a little bit toward the end. Quite a quite a snooze fest, actually. It was a really <laughs> terrible game to watch. Well, from a gambling perspective, anyone <laughs> that took the over would have been happy in the first quarter. Anyone that took the under, anyone smart, a real Vegas sharp like myself that took the under was quite upset after the first quarter. So I was in that precarious position of rooting for the team, but also hoping for a ton of field goals, which <laughs> didn't necessarily come my way. Yeah, you, you had to have been quite upset. You, like, when I saw you took the under, I was like, hmm. I, I started too late to make any comment on it, so I didn't even bother. But I was like, I wonder if this is really going to be an under game. I mean, I, I both teams can score pretty well, so I was kind of surprised you, you took that. Well, my thought process was it's the playoffs, number one. So across the board, scoring is always down. And then I thought about the weather coming into into play, a West Coast team coming East Coast to play in January. I didn't necessarily believe in the Chargers offense, you know, to do what they've done all year. And I kind of also sort of bought into the hype of Brady, maybe not being as good as he's always been, it just all laid out perfectly for it to be a 2017-24-20 type of game. So after they scored the first touchdown on the opening drive, I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Now let's, <laughs> let's get a big defensive stand here. Slow it down. Slow, Slow it down. way down. Let's feed Sony. And uh, they did, but it just didn't work out to the way I wanted it to. 
Yeah, no, I, I um, definitely, it was definitely interesting as they went just kind of back and forth. I wasn't expecting touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I don't know if I think anyone was. Obviously, you certainly, you weren't, you know, going under. But um, I was kind of worried about that. I was like, oh, well, initially, I shouldn't say worried, but initially I was like, all right, this is going to be a pretty good game going back and forth. And then the Chargers just blew for the rest of the first half after that um, that first touchdown. Yeah, you know, I was trying to figure out what caused that too. Like they just, you know, outside of Rivers, it seemed like you know he was his usual. Like really, you know, gives a I don't know. I don't know if we can swear on the podcast, but he seems like really enthusiastic into the game. But everyone else seemed kind of I don't know, lifeless. Like they got defeated real quick. It it was like the Chargers watched tape of what they did to Baltimore. <laughs> And we're like, yeah, this worked. I think this, you know, Lamar, Brady, they're pretty much one and the same. I I think we can run this same style of defense. It it was really, really embarrassing for their defensive coach. I don't know who it is. Oh, yes, I do. It's Gus Bradley, I think. Yeah. I think it's the Jacksonville guy. Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) That was was horrible. That was horrifying. And he's stuck with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he did. Well, the other thing, too, is there have been so much lead-up saying, oh, Brady has shredded this cover three defense from Gus Bradley numerous times, and we'll see if anything changes, and nothing changed. <laughs> it was like, like Wilson is like, oh, we're going to get him this time. You know, This is going to be the time. I mean, I know I've joked around in the chat about the Patriots having an open invite to the Super Bowl just because NFL teams are so stupid, but, like, I, I, I have to start believing my own crap because it's true. <laughs> They just have to show up, and they're going to beat these stupid, stupid teams. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What else is there to say? I mean, I mean, the only time they've really had any difficulty is when they've been on the road, especially at home. Um, that's probably the reason why they've gone to so many Super Bowls. Is everything's been through Foxborough. Um, but uh, so it's a, it's a good thing that's not going to come into effect this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the mm. only time they've lost is when they've had to go on the road. You know, they lost at Denver. They've lost at Indianapolis before. They've lost. Um, there's another time I forget. Okay, when but I got a couple hot stats for you. You ready for them? Lay it on us. All right, three straight road AFC title game losses. Okay, when they're on the road, but all three to Peyton Manning. And unless we see number 18 strapping into an arrowhead helmet, I think we got this one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're Andy Reid, I think you have to at least consider bringing Peyton Manning back for this game. You have to at least consider it. Hey, he's well-rested. <laughs> the neck feels good. Shoulder feels good. I, of all the quarterbacks in the playoffs – I mean, I think Mahomes is the least I'd want to face right now. I mean, even Breeze, you know what you're going to get. I mean, he's going to throw down field and you know he's going to pass up and down, but he can't run. I mean, Mahomes is going to throw bullets. He's going to run around, and it's just like that running quarterback has always given the Patriots difficulty. And now throw in that he can throw down field, and he's been so successful this year. I mean, it, it's the line's only yeah. three points. I think it's that's low. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if Belichick uses that confidence from Mahomes to his advantage. I think Mahomes has a little a little gunslinger in him. I've seen him make some cross-the-field, cross-body throws that every single analyst will say is not the right throw to make. But he makes them, and he completes them, and they look awesome. And so far, it's worked for the most part. 
But isn't that one of those things where the classic Belichick, you know, turns your biggest strength into the into your weakness and all that bullshit that we've all heard for the last 20 years? Like, isn't this totally lined up for him? For, for Belichick to come through with a, a key thing here? Like, this is another, for the most part, rookie quarterback meeting Belichick in the playoffs. This is where, where Belichick has made his has made his bones on is the fact that he's always found a way to keep these rookie quarterbacks under his thumb in big games. Yeah, I mean, I, I forget what the percentage is offhand, and I'm, I'm be damned if I'm going to look it up, but it, it's <laughs> ridiculously high. It's like, you know, he beats them, you know, three quarters of the time or something like that, a rookie quarterback. Uh, and, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, 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 like, I, th- I feel like it's just one of those things where everyone expects the Patriots to lose, and they probably should, but is anyone really going to be surprised if they don't? I mean, not really surprised. Maybe a little surprised, right? I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Patriots win this game, actually. Yeah. And uh, in, in not on any kind of intellectual reason, but you just got that gut feeling and that, you know, they're walking in there and sure you know the the, the chiefs are, are the favorite right the the biggest favorite they're three points yep. three points yeah yeah so yeah they're the the favorites on paper but there's there's got to be something to the fact that just all week you know new england is coming and you know th- this is the team and yeah you're either the the young kind of cocksure team that's going to rise to the challenge or you're going to be a little bit intimidated by that. Like there is a psychological thing. And I wouldn't try and say. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think the Chiefs are probably sniffing themselves a little bit. I think they're reading the press clippings, thinking that they're going to the Super Bowl, and we get to bank on Andy Reid being their coach. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's that's worth three points alone, right? Well, there's going to be a you know a blown timeout somewhere in this game. You know, he'll just uh, waste it early in the, in the third quarter or something, and it'll come back to bite him. Or he'll make some some yeah. If it's not clock, I mean, it's always clock management. But if it's not clock management, it'll be some you know fake punt attempt or an outside kick for no reason. Just something that Andy is so famous for choking away those big leads, choking away a moment that you know should be a gimme. You know. It, and if he doesn't, then, you know, they probably should beat us. If they play a perfect game and Andy Reid coaches a perfect game, they should beat us. But them playing a perfect game, him coaching a perfect game, that's, I don't know. I think that's less likely than the Patriots going in there and winning. Um, Felger was talking about this um, issue early this week, and he was mentioning how, or maybe it was last week, <clears throat> but he was mentioning how, you know, Andy Reid always has his face in the, in the playbook and looking at all the plays, and he's missing half of the game that's going on. And, you know, it was a good point. You know, if you're looking at all these plays and trying to figure out what is going to be coming next and here and there and everywhere, well, how much time's on the clock? Where are they going to feel? You know, is the personnel ready behind me? Who's injured? Who's not injured? And I know that's what some of the, the coordinators are supposed to come in and play and assistant coaches, but ultimately you're, the head coach is making that final decision if you're going to go for a fourth down, you're going to call a timeout, and he's not looking, not being prepared, whereas Belichick, you know, he doesn't do any of that stuff. He's just looking at the game and watching how things are going, 
And even uh, McDaniel is watching things from the field to see how things are going on as well and coming over and talking to Brady as things are coming a- after the game too or um, after the play, after the series. So I thought it was a pretty good point. And it is true. Like some of these coaches, they just, they're not paying attention and they get lost in the game and all of a sudden they blow a timeout, like you said, Seth, and it's, it's too late and it comes down to fourth quarter and they need to use timeout and they only have two and they should have three. Well, and the other thing, too, is it's not just Andy being ill-prepared. It's that oftentimes he has his team ill-prepared. Like that most famous example of McNabb not knowing you could tie. Like, <laughs> you know, that, if you're assigning the blame game, if you're cutting up the blame pie, 90% of it goes to McNabb for being a total dumbass. But the head coach has to make sure his quarterback knows the rules of the game. And I guarantee you that's something Belichick you know, if he doesn't have a sit-down meeting with every single player on the roster, he's at least doing it with his coaches to emphasize the rules of the fucking goddamn game. They know if you can tie or not. So if you see Mahomes taking a stupid sack or if you see him throw a ball away he shouldn't be throwing away, like, I mean, isn't that just squarely on Reed's coaching style of just sort of letting them go out there and being athletic and being skilled and not necessarily coached? See, that's, you know, a, a thing I've been wondering about for years, right? You know, the, the Patriots have had this unprecedented extended run of success. And yet teams know that, that their situational awareness is, is always the best in the league. Like, they are doing the right thing constantly. And yet none of these other teams seem to be emphasizing that same thing. It, it, it's a, it's astounding to me, really. Well, that probably speaks to Belichick having such disposable players, too, where he's not trying to tell the multi-million dollar diva wide receiver to study the playbook, study the rules, you know, <laughs> get down on his level, whereas Tomlin's trying to tell Antonio Bryant to study the playbook as Antonio Bryant showing up late for practice in his Rolls Royce and his entourage, you know? <laughs> so as much as I give Belichick shit for, as Rooney said in the chat, you know, bargain hunting for wide receivers, I think there's probably something to be said about making them more coachable because their ego is so low, right? I mean, probably. I've tried this uh, strategy w- with the the fantasy league of trying to draft the lesser <laughs> talented people. <laughs> <laughs> hoping I can replicate the Patriots' success. They just won't listen to you. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're just an eight in, in the eight and eight team every year. <laughs> Uncoachable. So why is it that like all these coaches under Belichick's tree don't have success? Because you think, all right, they've seen what he's doing, and or maybe maybe he just isn't telling them what to do. Maybe he's just going out and doing it. And and he's yeah, like and he's point. like, you know what? I'm not gonna give any of these people any more hints. So when they do become a head coach, he's gonna say, screw. You know, you should have been paying attention. He's not bringing them in. You know, like you have someone else that's all right. You're gonna be taking over as a leader at some point. Here's the in and outs of being a head coach. He's like, no, you can learn how to be a head coach on your own. And so maybe that's why all these people aren't having success. Well, there's but, probably. There's, there's probably some other inherent, you know, um, I don't know, like a subconscious effect, though, when a, a Belichick disciple goes to a new team, everyone on that team knows he's a Belichick guy, so when he comes on, comes in running the Belichick system, the first thing they probably think is, buddy, you're not Belichick, so I might run laps for Belichick, I'm not running laps for Matty Patricia, 
So, you know, even though he could be doing 90% of what Belichick is coaching, he doesn't have that name. He doesn't carry that weight, you know, so the message just might not get across. Isn't that what what McDaniels was was noted for in his failure in Denver, was trying to be Belichick without wearing the rings that Belichick has? And the, the team rebelled against him. And then, you know, I, I think that the difference is Belichick is not acting away. Belichick is being Belichick. Yeah. Whereas, like, you you know, Josh McDaniels does not have the same personality Belichick does. So it, it would seem inauthentic. Yeah, it rings hollow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, that I think, I think shot Belichick in the foot, too, when he was in Cleveland, you know, trying to be more like of a Parcells type of guy. And doing different things, and then trying to mix some of his own stuff in there as well. But you know, it didn't last long. And I saw maybe he learned from that as well. And obviously, he lucked out his first couple of years here, where he was able to get some credibility and some wins behind him, and um, and people were buying into what he was, you know, selling. So all Flores has to do is win two out of three Super Bowls in Miami. Yes, and boom, they're off and running. Exactly. Yes. Well, then, Tannehill is going to turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also helps that you you luck out on the 199th pick in the draft, and your your multi million dollar quarterback gets injured, so you have to bring in this random guy, and all of a sudden, it just happens to turn around. Yeah, but if you listen to Lombardi's podcast, he'll tell you that wasn't luck. Lombardi had him pegged as a future Hall of Famer. All you have to do is listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he went 199th in the sixth round, of course. So. Well, you know, value. He saw him slide. He said, wait. He said, he said, Bill, not yet. Not yet, Bill. Wait, wait. And then they pounced on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So um, on the other side, um, the Rams, New Orleans. I don't really care about the game. Who do we want to see in the Super Bowl? What would be a better game if we win the AFC Championship game. Do we want to see the Rams or the Saints? In terms of who I think they can, are more likely to beat, uh, boy, and, you know, obviously the, the other two teams are, are both great. I guess I would say I'd rather face New Orleans. But. Yeah, I, I want to swap the coaches and the quarterbacks mm-hmm. because I think you can get to Peyton. I think you can bait Sean Payton into making a mistake but I'm not sure you can bait Drew Brees into that and I think the reverse is true in LA I think you can get to Goff you can do stuff to confuse him mm-hmm. make him make mistakes but I really really like McVay I, I'm not sure Belichick can um, can dupe him into doing something he shouldn't be doing so that sort of almost cancels out for me because you know the QB and coach are so intertwined yeah so it really is like a coin flip game. I have like you look across their rosters; they both have outstanding wide receivers. They both have great running backs. They both have serviceable defenses. Mm-hmm. But they're both, you know, dome slash cold weather teams. So playing in the dome that shouldn't affect them. I mean, like they're, I it's it's probably the most even matchup I've ever seen in a in a title game. It's it's. You know, I, I think I'd rather go against the Rams because even though McVay's, you know, obviously a good coach, Goff is the one that's going to be, you know, choking on the field and making the the poor reads and you know, in theory, throwing interceptions if Belichick's able to bait him into d- different looks and whatnot. Um, whereas Breeze, 
Um, he's not going to get, in theory, baited into some of those different things. He's not going to make that stupid throw. Although Breeze can gunsling Breeze it. Can make some stupid throws. Yeah, he he can too. But I mean, I think I would I would bet that Goff would make more bad decisions than Breeze would. Um, especially since Breeze has been to the Super Bowl and knows what to expect. What to expect? He's been to so many playoff games. Um, I, so I think if I, I think I'd rather face the Rams because Goff has those, has a better chance of making those poor decisions and bad throws. Now, does Breeze potentially playing in Atlanta hurt, or not just Breeze, but the Saints playing in Atlanta? I know the Super Bowl crowd is a is a mishmash of different fan bases, and it's usually just Hollywood types, but. There has to be some anti-New Orleans sentiment in Atlanta, right? I mean, that's just not Patriots fans. I can't imagine they're going to get, you know, high praise coming into Atlanta for a Super Bowl. The the Saints being such blood enemies with the or blood rivals with the Falcons. Does it become a home field advantage? I guess is what I'm saying for the Patriots in any way. No, no, uh, not, not at all. I, I think if the if the crowd is largely corporate and neutral I don't think anyone is rooting for New England who isn't from New England well maybe they can't find any hotel rooms in the last second or maybe the, maybe the bus driver takes a wrong turn going down I-85 well I think the other thing too is you know I don't want to say it's fatigue but there's like you know Super Bowl fatigue if you will for for Patriots fans where you know everyone's rushing to go to the first or second Super Bowl because you never know how many you're going to get to Whereas, all right, well, it's the ninth Super Bowl. I've already been for you know some people, or I, I can never afford to go. Whereas all those Saints fans might be trying to go and get out there, so there might be more Saints fans there. And I think that's how it was last year. There's a lot more Philly fans because it had been you know forever and a day since they've been to a Super Bowl. So I, mean, I think something like that, you'd see more Saints fans. Plus, it's such a short trip uh, compared from Boston to Atlanta to New Orleans to Atlanta. Um, you might get more fans like that. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Like you said, it's just going to be a whole bunch of neutral fans, and you know, there's going to be, you know, a tenth will be Patriots fans, and a tenth will be, or you know, twenty percent would be um, Saints fans or something like that. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, well, they won't have Bon Jovi in their box. I know that for sure. <laughs> yeah, but they're gonna have a lot of other interest, uh, better people probably in their box, wouldn't they? Did you see how gray Bon Jovi was? Wow. <laughs> yeah, he was ancient. <laughs> yeah, I thought, it, I thought they just split screened Bob Kraft with himself. <laughs> <laughs> just changed the title of that song to "It Was Now and Never." <laughs> God, yeah. Um, one other random thing I saw today, uh, and it was in regards to the Super Bowl. The um, the referee that was just announced. He was the referee. Uh, where the heck is it here? Uh, it was the same ref uh, that was in the Super Bowl against the Giants in 2011. Um, so I don't know if that's a bad omen that if we get to the Super Bowl, it's going to be the same guy. John Perry is going to be the the uh, the referee leading the crew. I don't know if it makes any difference. Well, in outside of the result, was there any noticeable anti-Patriots calls in that game? Yeah, I don't remember the... Uh the officiating of that game. Yeah, I guess I, I remember, don't either. So. I remember them calling a safety on Brady for throwing the ball 50 yards downfield. Wasn't that the opening play of that game? Yeah, that was the opening drive, yes, I think. Yes, that was that. So, so I mean, yeah, that was probably him. That was probably him doing that. I would assume that would have been him. Um, he's called the second most roughing the passer penalties this season. 
So maybe well, that's that, good for us. Yeah, yeah that's, that would, that's, that's good for us. So, all right. Um, anything else on the Super Bowl? I got a couple prop bets for the Super Bowl. All right. All okay. Right. All right. So, uh, did we know that Pink was singing the anthem this year? No. Did we care that Pink was singing the anthem? Is this really even? She's sorry. Fine, let's see. Right. What, right. What's is so it? The, is it the over under for how long the anthem's going to be? Yep. We got the over under sitting at. Let's see. How long do you think the over-under is? Uh, 2.10. I was going to say like one, 150, but... No, two, two, two minutes flat. Uh, I'm trying to think in my head. I'm singing it. Hold on. In my head. <laughs> well, it, feels like, it feels like a two-minute song. So, I, I believe... Um, actually, it might have been the Super Bowl. I forget what Super Bowl it was, but we did a whole bunch of prop bets... Uh, when we were watching it in Medford one year. I think it was the undefeated season. We were in Medford watching it. And I was in charge of doing the prop bets. And I did an over-under for one minute. I think it was Christina Aguilera was singing it that year. I could be wrong. Um, one minute? No, two minutes. Two minutes. Oh. So over-under was two minutes. And it came in at like just under two minutes. Um, but I feel like last year it was long. and I, Or it was either last year or the year before it was long. And I forget who sang it past couple of years but one of them was it was really long because they were the you know you know stretching out different words and everything like that yeah i was gonna say isn't that typically a showcase for them to to to, to show their chops or whatever it's never it's never going to be under because you're well i mean i guess depending on how long they set the the time at but it's never going to be a short performance they're not just in and out they got to get their money's worth right I would assume. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, God, how, however huge the the audience is—I don't know, two billion or, or however many people watch it—they know, and and of course they're going to want to go as long as they can. All right. The next one is who's the first player to be shown on TV? They got Tom Brady at minus two hundred and Drew. Br oh, Oh, they, have, they already have Tom Brady in the <laughs> They already have Tom Brady listed in the prop bet. <laughs> it's Tom Brady at minus 200 and then other at plus 150. <laughs> <laughs> so when the Rams play the Chiefs, Tom Brady's still going to be the favorite. <laughs> you better pound that other. All right, let's see. So um, is, it, is that as soon as the kickoff starts? Or how does when, is, when does that start? Because, I mean... You know, the they pregame is four and a half hours it, long. It, well, it actually says who will be shown on TV first during the national anthem. Let's uh, say during okay. the national anthem. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, so, they always love showing Gronkowski during national anthems. <laughs> the way he kind of like mumbles the approximate words to the anthem. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. The only pr if I mean, if it's... I, I feel like they're right in saying if it's Tom Brady, he's going to be the the winner. Mm -hmm. And then if I had to, if I had to put him in order, I'd say probably Breeze would be the next one that they'd want to show, and then it would either be Mahomes or Goff, right? They, but it's it's definitely a pecking order of Brady yep. and then Breeze. So it's the quarterback, no matter what. Oh, I think so. I don't know why they show. Maybe they show Belichick or something, but I don't. Well, no, it, it says player. That's First player. Person. Who who's yeah, the player. um? Well, it's like who's the star on each team. Oh, that's yeah. that's a good point. Well, it's still the. I mean, they're not going to show Todd Gurley for the Rams. No. They'll they'll probably show McVeigh if anybody. He's probably the most recognizable of that team. 
Who's the um the guy that's in the army for the Patriots? Oh, is that is it? Oh, uh, it's not Dal. It's um the long snapper, right? Yeah, and I'm completely blanking yeah, on his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Wait, he might be in the oh, mix. It's, it's Lonnie Paxton. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm completely blanking on his name, but that was the only thing I could think of for him. Maybe is like you know because they you know have a story about him and um th- things of that and you know his patriotism and et cetera. All right, Ooh, unless there's some kind of like big drama the week before the Super Bowl, like someone shows up late or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Like the time that Raiders guy went to went to Mexico, get lost <laughs> in Tijuana. <laughs> yeah, it never it never showed up or something, right? I don't think ever. I don't. I think he still hasn't come back. Actually, <laughs> probably not. Was that the same? That wasn't the same year. No, when did the didn't the Falcons guy get caught with like a prost an undercover prostitute? <laughs> wasn't yeah. that did it? Wasn't that a thing? Yes, it was. Oh man, <laughs> that was a thing, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the NFL is fantastic, fantastic. So they don't have. Uh, oh, it's J- Joe have Cardona, any. isn't it? Oh, it is. Oh, Cardona. And, and he went. He went to Navy, not 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 um. Uh, Army, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah, should have known Belichick, that. Belichick doesn't accept Army soldiers. It's only Navy, <laughs> Navy alum and uh, Navy personnel. Okay. So uh, on the betting, Seth. Um, yeah. Are, are you going to be betting on both of these games this weekend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Okay, obviously. so are you taking Kansas City minus three? Or are you taking the Pats? Or are you going to do a money line? I have, in this season, my first season of of gambling addiction. I've always dabbled. This is my first year of being truly addicted to it. Because it's on your phone, so it's so much easy to do. Right. I have never bet against the Patriots. So okay. So I will continue to not bet against the Patriots. Are you going to bet um, at all? <laughs> gonna... so, so sometimes I've not bet at all. Right, Patriots, right, yeah. But I've never bet against them. So if I, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to look at the weather report and I'll have to, have to study some, some little tidbits here and there, but I will very likely be betting the Patriots to cover. So I believe the, um, the weather is going to be like in the teens at kickoff. But clear, but clear. Yeah, so it'll I'll just be start. colder. <laughs> yeah, and it will be, I think, like a five thirty their time start. Yeah, something like that. So, and it's a statistically loud stadium with New England playing on the road. Well, you can't get too loud when you're clapping mittens together. I'll say that it might it might dampen a little bit of their spirits, especially if we come up fourteen nothing. You know, maybe we can take them out. But like you said, that's. You know, it, historically, that doesn't happen in Kansas City. That's a, that's. I, are they the ones that set the all-time record? Actually, they I believe be. so. Yeah. 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 We're fucked. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, I see over under fifty-five. Um, I mean, uh, shoot. Uh, so the well, the last time they played, it was it was eighty-three. So, so I think fifty-five feels safe. Maybe I don't know. I I could see an under on this one actually. I would say now yeah. with the 18 degree weather at night, maybe that I could I see now I could see the under on this one. I mean, I, obviously it was cold against the Chargers, but 
Could be one of those, you know, classic cold weather running games where, you know, Brady only has 40 attempts instead of like his usual <laughs> 55. Like 55 or something, you know, and I, I could just see it well, being, you know, 28. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna pretend. I'm not gonna pretend that I that I came up with this on my own. Actually, I will. I'm gonna say I came up with this on my own. <laughs> As I was pouring through the numbers, what I recognized was that Kansas City has the league's worst rushing defense throughout the regular season. It was historically bad. Historically bad. And isn't it funny that last week we saw nothing but running backs for the most part against San Diego. So. It was postulated by me primarily and nowhere else <laughs> that that may have been a setup or a precursor to seeing just how much how much give we can give to those running backs in that type of cold weather, slow it down game, keep Mahomes off the field. I mean, it really does seem like it perfectly lined up for what Belichick was trying to do. But, you know, he's uh, he's tricked us before, and maybe he does come out and have Brady throw 55 times right away. I mean, the... The only thing about that is he would have to be in one week game planning two games for for this to have been planned. I mean, I'm going to use this game plan in New Orleans, so I'm going to practice it this week. Well, maybe it was more of like, hey, we have to rush the ball or we have to run the ball if we advance, so we might as well see if we have a running back that can handle the workload, right? And, and it, it, it could have been that, but it was probably just more likely he thought the the running was the way to beat San you know San Diego, L.A. Yeah, well, no, it's it'll always be San Diego. Oh, so San Diego's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of this, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, and it's a San Diego thing. Um, Rivers and Manning. If the Chargers and Giants didn't make that trade, does Rivers lead the Giants to two Super Bowls, or does Manning um, do better in San Diego? Does Manning beat us in 2007 to go to the Super Bowl? You know, so reverse the situations. Everything else is equal except for the quarterbacks. Like, does Rivers win the two Super Bowls that Manning did instead? Well, I'm I go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Your All show. Right. So. I I think it's <laughs> it is my fucking show. That's right. <laughs> You hear that, John? I want a bigger, I want a bigger contract. I'm gonna bring you, bringing you back to the table. Mute Seth. Okay, I can mute Seth. Perfect. <laughs> I um, I think it's it's possible that Rivers wins those two Super Bowls. I don't think he's worse than Manning. I do think Manning is worse than Rivers. So if Manning were to go to San Diego with the teams that Rivers has had, there is no chance they're winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it, you put Philip Rivers, who I think is a better quarterback than Eli Manning. I don't know if that's controversial, but I would I would pick Rivers over Manning. You give him those defenses that beat the Patriots. I, I think Philip Rivers wins those games too. All right, it was just- now take take it a step farther. What if San Diego never traded Drew Brees, and they said, you know, maybe he's not as injured as we thought. Let's give him another shot. Does Drew Brees get to the Super Bowl with those Chargers teams? I I think he could have. Yeah, I mean, if you just go to that 2007 season when they almost beat us, 
Um, I, I could see Breeze making better plays than than Rivers did that year, and you know, just the, the use of Ladainian Tomlinson those those few years where he was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I guess you have to go back and look and see how many of those plays that Rivers made when he was young were were terrible plays, you know. But you know, I think I could see them getting to to a, a Super Bowl. I guess the only thing that I would question is. It's not like Breeze has always had a winning record. He's got a couple of, of losing record seasons under his belt, as good as he is. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that benefits him is the stability of having the same voice as a head coach for 10-plus years, as opposed to Rivers running through the, the absolute crap that they've had as head coaches in San Diego. If, if, if you put Breeze in that situation with those shitty coaches you know, and, and some of the mistakes that they've made as a franchise... You know, I, I I don't know. Maybe he doesn't do as well as we think that he should. Is is Rivers an underachiever, or is he a victim of his circumstances? Or could he could he be both? I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, I I could see both. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got all the numbers to make it to the Hall of Fame, except for the wins, right? That's like the only thing he doesn't have. I think he has enough wins. It's just he doesn't have like enough big wins or you know the the you know big game wins. You think he's got enough career wins to justify being an all-time great? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't... to be an all-time great, you got to be, you know, one of the the top two or three quarterbacks in your era and he's he's not one of those. You know, he will be remembered as a good quarterback. So what what is his error? You're putting him with Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger, Rivers. Yeah, I mean his his prime intersected with the primes of you know most of those people, I would say. But isn't that the case for all the teams that went up against Jordan? Like it's not their fault they had to run into Jordan in the playoffs every year. Why should we penalize their careers because they just happened to play in his error? So I'm I'm just looking up right now. Rivers is the twelfth all time winningest quarterback. Wow. So because of lunch. Yes, I mean um, Brady, Manning, Favre, Elway, Marino, Breeze, Roethlisberger, Fran Tarkenton, Unitas, Montana, Eli Manning, Rivers. Well, so of of course that's kind of skewed to uh, God. How many years ago did they go to sixteen games? But. Yeah, so it is not surprising that more recent quarterbacks are, are top in that list because they just played more games. And, you know, maybe careers are lasting longer in general. I'm, I'm not sure if that's true, but it seems like we've had a lot of old quarterbacks. So, I mean, it's a good point. And then the other thing, too, is you're talking about you know, contemporaries. You know, Brady's ahead of him, Peyton Manning's ahead of him, Breeze, Roethlisberger, and Eli are all ahead of him. Now, you could say those are some of the best quarterbacks of all time. So, like you said, Seth, when you lost to Jordan, can you really blame anyone for losing to Jordan all those times? Um, so, I mean, Rivers did put up – he has 111 wins, and he has a 546 winning percentage. Yeah, just sort of a 500 quarterback. I don't it, – it's <clears> – <throat> but if you're top 12 in anything, aren't you considered one of the best of all time, regardless of anything around you in terms of – how many games you've played, or how long your career was. Like, if you're the top, if you're in the top twelve, you probably deserve to have your name put somewhere, right? I, I think you know, 
wins is a team stat. I mean, it gets attributed to the quarterback, but it's you know it's really it takes a team effort. We've seen plenty of talented people fail because the general manager never gave them anything to work with. So I mean, for for to you know accurately figure out what Rivers is, I don't think you can just look at his lofty placement in the wins category. You know, you would you really have to do an analysis across all like the major categories to decide that. And I don't know. I mean, you, you you would probably shock me if he was twelfth when you really looked at you know the the things that are strictly the the quarterbacks doing, whether it's the the rating or completion percentage or. So just break it down to the old white guy stat. What does your mm-hmm. gut tell you? What does your eye tell you? When you see Philip Rivers, are you thinking he's a Hall of Famer? No. John, what about you? Um, I'd probably say yes. Ooh, I get to split the vote? <laughs> yes, yes, you do. I'm going to abstain. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Um, I knew I knew John was gonna gonna say yes because it, it's the rule here on talk radio. <laughs> yeah. you, you can't agree. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> so like Philip Rivers, um, and I know this stat is skewed as well, but he has the six most most passing touchdowns of all time. Uh, and I know obviously the past ten years it's been so many more passing touchdowns than there ever were before, uh, but. He's ahead of Roethlisberger, ahead of Eli, ahead of Aaron Rodgers, who still has more time to play, obviously. Um, so, hopefully, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, Fantasy teams everywhere counting on it. Um, so, I guess, I guess it's tough to tell. I mean, is it just you know, quarterback rating would be the best way to, you know, adjust these these, the, the players? Well. I- I mean, unfortunately, the best way is how many rings do they have on their fingers? True. And then he's just it go. I mean, so like in that sense, if you take away, I know you can't, but if you take away those two rings from Eli, there is not a goddamn shot in hell that guy is making the Hall of Fame, right? Zero point zero percent chance he's in the Hall. He was never career. the best player on any team. He he was he never was the best on. quarterback on his own goddamn team. <laughs> 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 Who's the guy who was on The Bachelor? Wasn't he uh, on that team? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that big fat guy, Jared Lorenzen. Him? <laughs> yeah. I, man, I wanted him to get in that game. So, but could you say Manning's going to get in because obviously the two rings, but because he made like two of the biggest throws. I um, mean, he was, cl- he was clutch. I mean, he, I guess he gets he, in on that. He, so he he's going to get in because of those throws, because of those rings, but more importantly, because of who he beat. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Those Super those Super Bowls are weighted so much more because it was Tom Brady and Belichick versus him beating, you know, Ben and Bill Cowher or some shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of it. The, the legend of the, the perfect season that, you know, didn't happen. Uh, he gets a lot what? from that. What? What do you... Didn't... What? <laughs> it's so close. They canceled that Super Bowl that year. That Super Bowl never even happened. Jesus, it was so fucking close. Eighteen and zero. God, that really was that. I, have we all agreed? I, I forget this in chat. Was this considered that was the worst loss that we considered? Right? Yeah. Any sport 
board, not across not the well. board. I, I think a lot of people in Atlanta would, would disagree with you on that. Oh, well, I don't no, care about no. Atlanta. <laughs> fuck, fuck Atlanta. Fuck Atlanta. But, I mean, I, I mean for, for Boston sports, and I, I know I've always said that the Aaron Boone game was a killer one for me. Um, and well, maybe I, mean, I, I, I saw the Buckner game, so because I'm, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, but there's, you know, like, yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of bad beats. But that perfect season, I mean, we're not talking about, hey, if they won that, they won another Super Bowl. We're talking about something that no other team has ever, ever, ever done. Mm -hmm. You know, never, there's no team that's ever gone 19-0. and 0 and it, So it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, until a team goes 19-0, and 0, then, then that's the worst loss of all time because... It was truly for history. It wasn't just to have your name in a book of Super Bowl champions. It was to have you be the only name on the list of undefeated teams that went 19-0. and 0. And there's no place for them to even be in the top 50 teams of all time because they didn't win the Super Bowl either. I mean, you have Correct. to. I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah. How, however many Super Bowl winners there are, they're going to be, you know, fifty-four, then fifty-five, then fifty-six. They're going to yeah. be the best team to never win a Super Bowl. That's all they'll Awful. be. And and I know that you know we've had so much success afterwards, but that I'll never ever ever get over that loss. It just doesn't matter. We could win the next ten in a row. I'll never want a Super Bowl more than I want to go back in time and have that Super Bowl. I'll trade them all for that one. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, I want to move on real quick. Um, Seth and I have talked about this. I mentioned this to Will as well. Um, there was chat about the office and Parks and Recreation. And okay. which is a better show? Now, Seth, I know you have some feelings. And I want to pass it off to you to start. Okay. So, um I think I've made my thoughts crystal clear in the chat in that when you really break down the show and, and you know when you compartmentalize it into its little pieces, I think that um, it's fair to say that Parks and Rec has the better overall cast, has... Uh, the overall better characters, um, the pacing of the show I think is better. There's a lot of things that are in favor of Parks and Rec. Uh, but for some reason, when the two shows are being simulcast or when they're you know, on you know, opposing channels, I tend to click towards The Office. And I don't really know what it is other than the fact that the show as a whole is just more rewatchable. Whether that's the, the um, containment of the show just in that one space, or whether it's, it's the, the plot, the overall plot of the show. I don't know what it is. I don't think the writing's any better. I don't think the acting is any better. But for some reason, I lean towards the office when every other category, I have a, a check mark next to Parks and Rec. Well, you know, I think you said something that was that was interesting in there, Seth. It was, um, I I think, what Parks and Recreation had is a, is a slightly different writing style, where where both shows write 
wrote season long arcs. Uh, but the office's you know season arcs were a little bit lighter, or it operated a little bit more in the background, which I think makes every episode on rewatch uh, easier to to palette if you're not you know tuning in five days a week to watch every rerun of the office. So I think maybe it works better in that way, whereas Parks and Rec was really more the the arc was the narrative. I think Seth, when when you mentioned, you know, if they're on both at the same time, you go towards the office. I always go Parks and Rec, and I don't know, so it's the complete opposite. Like I I could watch Parks and Rec over the office all the time, and I think I think the peak shows of Parks and Rec had high or had a higher peak in my opinion than the peak shows of the office. So if you put together the best two or three shows of Parks and Rec they'd be better than the two two best three shows of The Office. Like I, I can think of different things where I just die laughing about Parks and Rec and just, just thinking about it. Whereas The Office, I I can think of maybe one, but it's it doesn't come into play as much as for Parks and Rec. And and I guess maybe that's just what it is. I, I, the funniest I've ever laughed at either show, Parks and Rec was definitely more than The Office too. So that, that's those are the things that when I'm looking at it, I always lean towards Parks and Rec and... Uh, so yeah, those are my little things to throw out there for that part for for that. Well, for, so what what Will was talking about in terms of the the overall plot of the show being more background, I, I think is is absolutely right. I when I and I hadn't really thought of that until he said it, but when I think of Parks and Rec, I don't necessarily think of the characters right away. And even though I lean towards their characters being better. What I think of is Leslie's sort of storyline, her going from, you know, small, you know, vice deputy or whatever it was of the Parks Department to councilwoman to potential congresswoman. And then at the end of the show, what was she, the fucking president or something? Yeah, they, I, they don't state it, but they hinted at it. Right. So that's what I think of. I think of Andy and April getting married. I don't necessarily think of of Andy as a shoeshine person, I think of him being April's husband. And I think of mm -hmm. Ann Perkins with Chris Traeger. I sort of, I think of what their storylines were. Tom always trying to be a successful businessman. But when I think of The Office, I chuckle because I truly just think of Kevin. I just think <laughs> of him being a doofus. Or I think of Michael being totally, you know, incompetent, but it's that classic, you know, heart of gold. Even, you know, he's always in the right headspace, or he's always in the right heart space, even though he might not be in the right headspace. And I think of Jim being, you know, that, that um, you know, long-lost lover. He want, You know, he's just yearning for Pam, or whatever the case is. But I don't necessarily think of where Jim was versus where Jim ends up. And that's what I think of when I think of Park. So, yeah, you I know, I was, uh, I was reading the, the, the wikis of both, both shows I was doing my prep. <laughs> and... What the fuck? What does that mean? <laughs> and when I was reading the the offices like season by season arcs, I didn't remember half of it. Like I was like, yeah, there's this company that bought them, and like I'm talking about Sabre. Yeah, <laughs> Sabre <laughs> Saber. Yeah, I don't remember any of that. Like you know, I just remember uh, you know Creed is like fucking like creepy and weird and. Like, that's what I remember. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think the other thing, too, is I know for my wife, she got so uncomfortable watching The Office at different points because she's someone that, you know, as, as she's in she's in the midst of watching the show, she's, like, put going into being Michael, and she gets so uncomfortable watching Michael do different things and whatnot. <clears throat> and I don't know if that's for a lot of other people as well, uh, but I think that makes them feel uncomfortable. Like, they like watching the show, but it makes them feel uncomfortable, whereas you never felt uncomfortable watching parks and recreation and maybe that's just you know obviously a different element to it um, well, there was a there was a term for it the office was uh part of what they called cringe comedy right right yeah. michael was truly cringe worthy right and you know the the jokes came from the discomfort of, of the situation whereas uh parks and rec was an inherently more hopeful show well, yeah, so maybe maybe that's another thing reason why I like I like to feel like I'm a hopeful person as a Seth is not so <laughs> and, and as we all know Pawnee Indiana of bright cheerful place versus Scranton Pennsylvania <laughs> yes yes exactly yeah the, that was the like electric just city for how dreary it is. <laughs> the the one thing I was I was watching yesterday and um I, it's my favorite episode and it's the one when Leslie is doing the kickoff for her campaign and they're at the ice rink and <laughs> they're Get playing. On your feet. <laughs> I could watch that one over and over and over again and the best part is when you know uh, the guy goes up to the slam dunk he lands on his back and everyone's going oh no and all of a sudden it's like, Get on your feet <laughs> and you look over at Andy and he's just dying laughing <laughs> and then one part I didn't realize right after that they go back to the house to talk to Ben and Ben's like oh how did it go and Andy in the background like it was great and Leslie's like no it was terrible <laughs> I, I, I have to I have to admit that that is also my favorite part of either show <laughs> if I had to do a hierarchy of my favorite moments from each each show that would be number one I, I <laughs> yeah that also gets me yeah and that said uh, the, the office had you know softy that i am had had the more romantic feel to it like you know for sure know, it was more in the early was... years like you know i actually cared about jim and pam like i don't know that i ever actually cared about and... a parks and rec couple and even though as the series went on and all the characters got more flanderized and, and, mm -hmm. and everything, The Office still, for the most part, maintained the feel of it sort of being real. Mm -hmm. Like, we kind of still all knew people that were just like that if we weren't those people ourselves. Whereas I felt Parks and Rec was always more fantastical. And maybe it was because it was so upbeat, but there's no Leslies in the world. That doesn't exist. Yeah, they're caricatures. Exactly, right. True. Whereas I felt like we know a Michael Scott. Everybody works with a Michael Scott. Not to that point, but right up to the line, probably. And I think it, when you, the last seasons of both shows, I think The Office was... The last season, I think it was a little bit better for The Office than it was for Parks and Rec. But even just like the very last episode... Um, the office one for the last part when, you know, My Michael is getting ready to get on the plane and Pam runs over and you don't hear anything because the microphones have been taken off and everything like that. And it's the only time in the entire series where it's like just dead silence other than, you know, that uncomfortable silence. But there's this literally, yeah. there's no audio track on it right there. And, you know, you don't know, you have to kind of think about what they said and you have an idea, uh, but you don't hear it. So that was definitely, you know, 
Um, th- that was that was a really good ending for that oh, show. That, that relationship, the uh, Pam and Michael relationship, was was always something really special too. And, and so I think maybe that's why The Office has a more sentimental appeal to me. Well, they they did a good job of always, even though they would rarely intersect. I mean, they would always, her being his secretary, obviously they Mm -hmm. had a closeness, but when they would just insert those little scenes about him buying her artwork. Yes, exactly. Or, or you know, what was the other one? Um, When he started his own company and he took her Mm -hmm. along with him. There was always a connection there that they felt like they were, they were together. You know, they were truly like a team. And um, yeah, you're right. There was a, a closeness that you don't feel Maybe because Parks and Rec is such characterizations, you don't really mm-hmm. feel like I. Who gives a shit if Ben and Leslie get together? In no. fact, I was uncomfortable when they first started dating because I thought, I mean, I don't know this, but I've always felt that Adam Scott was much younger than than Amy Poehler. Yeah, I don't geez, know if that's, that's true. A, that's a good question. But I was like, why is this guy attracted to this old lady? <laughs> well, I mean, they're what they're. Th- Four, five, six women tops in Pawnee. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, but I if mean, you have to choose, if you don't I mean, get Rashida Jones. <laughs> yeah, right, like, yeah. Who's next on the list? Ann Perkins, a- number one. Oh, in April. I'd like to throw Donna Meagle in there. <laughs> yeah, she, yes. It's like she knows what she's doing. She could get it. <laughs> and you get to see her cousin D'Angelo on the reg. Treat yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it they 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 um I don't know how close Parks and Rec was to the office in terms of like was it season 3, 4 or 5 of the office when Parks and Rec debuted? Did yeah, there was overlap. Uh Yeah, I think uh what happened was the 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 two producers of the office, one of them left Michael Schur to do Parks and Rec. Yeah. And I think it was maybe after the the fifth season or fourth season so then they overlapped for like two years or something Michael Schur Moe's yeah Michael Schur he he believes he played Moe's to do Parks and Rec yeah that's I I remember the first time I found out that that cousin Moe's was the the writer of both shows it really Mm -hmm. blew my mind I think that's a testament to how probably funny he really is that he could pull off that type of character and not only that but he has um Geez, what's he doing now? He's got the the Good Place and Oh yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. are both great, outstanding yeah. shows. Yeah, you know those shows. I mean, this is obviously a, a bit of hyperbole, which you know you really can't ever accuse me of that. <laughs> but I, those shows felt like they sort of saved sitcom comedy TV. You know, I think we were trending towards those. Those other stupid, you know, tired man is a doofus, wife is out of his league, you know, he's got a shitty job. Like, those were the, 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 the CBS comedy. Yeah. yeah. And when these shows came through with their mockumentary style, it just, it was such a breath of fresh air. And like you said, the cringe comedy and the how sharp the writing was, it really did make it almost appointment TV again. Mm-hmm. Real quick, uh, Adam Scott is only a year and a half younger than Amy Poehler. Well, you know what? They say black don't crack, and, and I don't know how that applies to Adam Scott, but it feels true in this instance. Uh, okay, okay. I think he's very baby-faced. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay. I don't know. I, anything else? I, that's all. Like those are the, the my those are my big topics I have written down. Literally, I wrote them down because I knew I was gonna have to get them if I didn't. So get on your. Oh. <laughs> Wait. One other thing. I know we can all agree on this. Uh, I was searching through something on the thread. We all enjoy shopping at Shaw's supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have to look very hard to find a good bargain at Shaw's. <laughs> we don't have Shaw's down here. So what do you well, shop you at down there? It. It's more for each dollar. <laughs> we have we have Acme. Ooh. <laughs> which, really? I, which I always thought was just a Wiley Coyote company. I didn't know that was a real place. Uh. <laughs> I was afraid an anvil was going to fall on my head when I first walked in. They don't yeah, sell them as do. you walk through the door? <laughs> it's just a black circle painted on it. Yeah. Just picturing their CEO just getting really mad. And he's like, no, it means like the top of the mountain. <laughs> Goddamn Looney Tunes. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, anything else you guys want to bring up? Again, that was th those are the big things I wanted to touch on. Uh, Celtics talks, Seth, anything? Oh, man. What a tailspin. So on. I mean, go on. Yeah, sorry. Go on. Go on. All right. Well, I was gonna say it, it, it. They're not even really in a in in a bad space, you know. They're not in a bad a bad spot. They're you know one of the top four teams in the East, and they're have you know they are a good competitive team, and they have maybe one of the top five players in the league right now, and certainly one of the top fifteen or twenty young guys in the league. Mm -hmm. So I mean, like we should not have anything to complain about. But man, oh man, does this season feel painful when you tune into these games and you watch these or you look at the box scores it just it has a there's a lot of confusing losses and I'll tell you what I'm not sure there's more of a Brad honk than me I'd vote for him for president right now if I could but uh, he really hasn't been super great this year and I think what has been his been his hallmark of patience, you know, never getting too high, never getting too low, even keel. It, that's starting to wear on me a little bit. Like I'd love to see maybe a little more fire from him when when the when the starters are giving up a 12 point lead deep into the third quarter. I would really love to see all of them ride the bench maybe a little bit longer. You know, his patience with this team, which has always been his strong suit, is starting to I think crack a little bit. And, I, and that could be totally wrong. If you got Danny in a room or Brad in a room, they might give you 150 reasons why that's wrong, but it doesn't feel wrong. When you watch the games, it feels like we're letting this season slip away. Well, you know, people talk about Stevens, and probably rightly so for being a very good coach, but we were discussing earlier the, the idea of gravitas and, you know, and how Belichick can pull off something that, you know, Mangini couldn't, or, or or whatever, just by demeanor and the fact that he had won all this stuff. Stevens has a reputation, but all these players are still going to look at him like, you know, well, you really haven't won anything yet, have you? That's, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, but, but you get, haven't they seen how he's improved the team over the past five years and, you know, a lot of what he did last year to get this team that uh, Kyrie's hurt, you know, we're not going to do anything, and all of a sudden they're, you know, a couple minutes away from you know from going to the finals. Yeah, but I think there's something to be said about exceeding low expectations and meeting high ones. <laughs> and he may be more equipped to exceed those low than he is at meeting those high because 
it just felt like he had a much better control of the team when nobody thought they were going to do anything. You know, last season included, after all those injuries, everybody, not me, but everyone else, all of you guys, <laughs> really folded in on the season. It was like, well, if we get bounced in the first round, we'll understand why. So when he makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals, one game away from the finals with that roster, I think it feels or it felt like this guy can do no wrong. Well, we unless you look at it the other way and you ask, Seth, is there a Kyrie problem? No, because he's an MVP candidate this year. There's no, I don't think so. But yeah, he well, still wants to get paid, though. I'm thinking there are chemistry issues. Are there chemistry issues? The guy saw competing memes on the chat today where, where <laughs> so, okay. players have different stories. Well, you know? what a, whoever posted that should really <laughs> reevaluate. But what I would say to that is if there are chemistry problems, I think it's in players forgetting what their best role is. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I know I have been extremely critical of guys like a Terry Rosaire. And even though he's Brad's favorite son, a guy like Jalen Brown, mm -hmm. who, you know, when you read these interviews and you, which, you know, I try to consume everything that Brad says and everything that Danny says, and they speak highly, highly, highly of Jalen Brown in terms of his ethic and his character and his his um, locker room leadership. But when, god damn, when he's on the court, the kid does not look like he knows how to play basketball. He There's so many times I'm screaming at my TV that Jalen Brown sucks. Get him off the, the goddamn floor. So but, couldn't this be part on, on Danny as well where there's too many mouths to feed right now? And whereas last year... You know, Kyrie went down, so Rogier was able to get a lot more playing time. That that was happy for him. Hayward goes down instantly, so you know those same positions get a lot more playing time. So that opened up for, for Tatum and from Brown. Um, Marcus Morris this year is playing unbelievable, so you have to play him more. Whereas if he'd been playing, you know, kind of like how he was last year, he wouldn't be playing as many minutes. So Brown gets a few more, or however you, you spread it out. So. Why is there nothing out there for Danny to trade for right now? I mean, because I mean, if he trades something, you figure, all right, it's going to open up more minutes for some of these other players, and maybe that's going to, you know, you know, benefit the team and like solve some of those um, chemistry issues that they're having. Well, I think there's two 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 issues with making a trade now. The first one, the biggest one, is everybody is waiting to see what happens with Anthony Davis. And I know that for the Celtics, we are sort of in a uh, holding pattern because we can't trade for Anthony Davis until Kyrie is re-signed. Nobody believes Kyrie is re-signing midseason. So trading for Anthony Davis this year is not going to happen unless something crazy with Kyrie does via you know a trade of Kyrie or him totally reversing course and, and re-signing with us early. But even still... I think Danny has to wait for something to happen with AD before he can commit to a different player. Well, don't because, you think Kyrie would agree to sign early if they realistically were going to get Davis? Only if he agrees to lose about $40 million. Ah, yeah, and then... Him re-signing early costs him money. You know, what is what is the NBA Player Association like? Because... The, yeah, any union worth it, its salt wouldn't allow him to take a pay cut like that. I'm not sure, even if the NBA 
even if the Players Association was trying to scribble his name on the contract, I'm not sure Kyrie's the type of guy that would take a, a hit for the team. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't no. think he's a hometown discount kind of guy. Um, I think the biggest problem, if this is a this is this isn't a problem, it's a problem for us, not for him. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue with Kyrie was that he hit the biggest shot in the biggest season, winning the biggest championship of the last five years. So when he's checking his boxes of what he wants to do with his career, being the man on a championship team, that's that's done, buddy. He's got that one checked. He hit that game-winning shot against Golden State, not LeBron. So even though people will call him the Robin to LeBron's Batman, in his mind, buddy, they weren't winning that championship without him. So he's not looking for that ring. He's obviously looking for another ring, but he's not taking a discount to be on a team that gives him the best chance to win. He's already won. Well, at, you know, at the same time that he believes that about himself, he is also aware of the public discussion of him. So he might feel he needs to win two. The, sure, the, but he, he's not taking a pay cut to do it, though. Not from anything he's ever talked about. That's that Discounts... Signing early, that has never come out of his mouth. Yeah, and that, and that's not a um, you know small amount. That's, right. that's, that's a pretty big discount. Is he going to be a Supermax player this year or just a Max? Supermax. Supermax. So that's what, $40 million a year? So, so basically he drops, if he signs early, he drops to four-year Max, whereas he can go five-year Max if we sign him at the end of the season. At $40 million per, give or yeah, take. whatever it is. Yeah. I think that's yeah. I think that's a super max is something like almost forty million a year. So that's some sort of ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, Will mentioned maybe if Kyrie is the problem, why don't we try to trade Kyrie for AD straight up? Do you think? Um, and we obviously would have to actually we couldn't be straight up because uh, New Orleans would want more for that because Kyrie's going to be leaving at the end of the year no matter so, what. Then so that's the problem is even though Kyrie is considered a lesser player, they have the same exact contract problem. No mm-hmm. team is going to take Kyrie until he signs a deal. True. And he's not signing a deal until the season's over. So we're sort of stuck in that mold. So our best bet is to trade our young pieces away for an established player. The problem is our young pieces aren't playing as well as they were, so their value is diminished, and we can't get what we want for them anymore. So we're sort of stuck. I also know that the reason Terry hasn't been – as hot a topic in trade discussions as he probably should be is because of that Kyrie insurance. You know, unfortunately, as good as Kyrie is, he's not dependable, mm-hmm. at least not in terms of health. So I think Danny's a little leery of trading away Terry for to fix the chemistry, and then in six weeks, Kyrie goes down before the playoffs, and now we're screwed. Well, then maybe what they need is just some kind of, you know, eighth or ninth guy locker room dude well if you're looking for pj brown to walk through that door i don't think it's going to happen well but in that vein yeah yeah i i I don't it's just this is such a weird era of basketball because there really really are so many good top tier players you know even just five years ago you could boil down the guys you'd want to start a franchise into maybe three players. Mm-hmm. But now you're talking about maybe 15 guys that you could make a serious case for age, talent, contract, that you would want to start a franchise around. It just it seems so hard. I say so hard to win a title, even though Golden State's going to absolutely walk away with another one. <laughs> but like outside of them, it just seems so hard 
to to get a, a grip on on being a real contender. You know, when there's so many other great teams, even in our own crappy Eastern Conference now, which is starting to look like they might be pulling ahead to being the better conference. Well, it's about time. What has it been? <laughs> yeah, but it's bad timing for us. Is what yeah, absolutely. You know, it's this wasn't this isn't how this was supposed to go. Yeah, because I mean, Toronto's been playing really well. Milwaukee, I mean, Giannis is just ridiculous. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, he's is he the best player in the East right now? Um, I would, yeah, he is the best player in I the mean, East. I, I don't think I, I would give if I had to assign an MVP, I'd give it to Kawhi. But I, true. Giannis is the Giannis is probably the better yeah. player. So yeah, and we still have a Philly problem too because from what I hear down here. They're looking to move a package of possibly Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, some of their other young guys, that Miami unprotected, and they're targeting Anthony Davis. And I hear that on the radio and my skin crawls because <laughs> I think about Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis in the paint, and I just want to cry somewhere because if that were to happen, oh boy. Are those guys, would, would those two mesh together on the team? I mean, I'm obviously, I, obviously I know they're two like ridiculously good players, but I mean, would, would then you're talking about you having too many of the same type of player again, or is that just... Uh, I would say that well, they... Well, it didn't work for the Twin Towers. I, I, I would say... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like there's a great history of big guys working together. No, I would say that um, they're two of the probably three best high pick and roll big men in the league. I mean, they they really, really do fit well together because they can both play down low. They can both play up high. They're both incredible passers for their size. Um, yeah, it's you know, like a Robinson and Duncan kind of. Exa- exactly. They they really do fit well together. And um, it's, it's a problem. It really is a problem. I know that they'd have to strip the team to get him. But I think if you're Philly, you're probably – I mean, from what I hear down here – the fan base is willing to do it. I don't know if that translates into what the team wants to do, but you know, I, I've always considered AD almost a lock to come to Boston because of our chips, because of Danny, because of Brad, because of a lot of different things. Um, but the more I, the more I, I watch, the less likely it seems like he's going to sign with us, and the more likely it seems like because of Toronto, because of Philly, because of Milwaukee, the more likely it seems like Boston is about to get past. That's crazy. Now, there's been a lot of talk too that no matter what happens, he's just going to go to the Lakers in uh, in a year and a half, no matter what. So it doesn't matter well, who. Isn't that what te- they say about every superstar? Well, the the reason that gets traction is because he dumped his longtime agent in favor of Rich Paul, the clutch guy from right. LeBron Sports Agency. Which mm-hmm. at one point we need to do a podcast on the absolute criminal activity <laughs> that is LeBron owning a sports agency while being an active player. <laughs> It's unbelievable that he's allowed to do that. Um, but well, yeah, does does he divest himself? Well, you know, according to him, he has no financial stakes in that company except that all of the checks go, written to that company are signed LeBron fucking James on the bottom. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. But uh, so I mean, yeah, there is there is traction that he wants to go to L.A. I know that I've heard and I've read a bunch that no matter what, Kawhi is going to the Clippers. He's hell-bent on getting to L.A., but away from LeBron. So I think the Clippers are probably a solid destination for him. I mean, there is definitely a chance that the East could clear out here. Um, but, I mean, but this is also 
a little bit different in that I think these kids that are in the league now, they're they're they sort of march to their own drummer. It doesn't really seem like they're team oriented. It seems like there's a lot more what's good for me and my family, which is good. It's so probably how it's Generation Z. <laughs> you know, it's, they just they don't care about anything but themselves. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I really I wouldn't be surprised if these guys look at Paul George signing in Oklahoma City. That was that's crazy. Nobody. Nobody thinks he should have done that. He took a lesser contract on a worser team on a worser team. You know, it just didn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what he did because that's what he wanted to do. And that's really that's really big rare. Fish in a small pond. Yeah, I don't know. Well, no, he still has the biggest fish playing next to him in Russell Westbrook. Yeah. But hasn't that been a lot of talk that he he preferred to be a number 2 than a number 1? Well, I think that's yeah, probably says more about his personality. That's also what they say about Kawhi. He wants to be a leader on the court, and he wants to be the fifteenth man in the locker room. Right. He has no interest in being a, a vocal leader, which is why he might go to L.A. So you know he can dabble in that nightlife, but not be the center of attention like LeBron would be. Right. Right. Um, so it just—I don't know. I—I I love the Celtics. They're my favorite. They're my favorite team of of the four in Boston. I ride and die with them. I truly do bleed green, but. It scares me. The t- the season scares me. The team scares me. The trend scares me. I don't know. I've never. I haven't been this low on them. I don't know for a long time. Uh, how far they go? I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, right? They're, yes, they'll make the they playoffs. Get back to the conference final. It would have to break right. Indiana looks really good. I mean, it really does depend on who they're playing. I mean, I know that's stupid to say, but it does. It depends on who they're playing in the first round. It depends on who they're playing in the second round. It's There are definitely teams in the East that can beat Boston for sure today. Now, that might not be the case in, in you know March and April and May and June, but it is now. So I think they're they're definitely a piece or two away from really, really being serious contenders. I don't know if that's a P.J. Brown or an Anthony Davis. I don't know what that piece is, but they're obviously, anyone that's seen them play, they're missing something. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we were going to leave we're leave it all there. We are a little bit further along <laughs> this hour than I thought we were going to be. Uh, but good talk by all. Congratulations, gentlemen. It was a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter? Did Teresa just call you and say you better get the fuck home? Uh, no, but I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, oh, it's 9:30. I should probably get ready to go home and uh, and help out. So the uh, the baby has not been sleeping very well at night, and it's been it's been taking a toll um, on both of us. So I know if I can get home, and she's trying, she's putting all three to bed. Well, hopefully, it's already all to bed right now. But um, how much Bailey's are you giving her? Which one? Teresa (laughs) flood everyone in that house with Bailey's and Jameson Henry, Lily, everyone and I promise you they'll all be asleep by 8.30 (laughs) (laughs) well that's the other thing Lily's had some sort of a cold or a little bit of a cold recently so she's been getting up in the middle of the night and coming into bed and then there was was one night I don't know if it was Saturday night or Sunday night um both of them, Lily and Henry, were like kind of whining. Henry was just like screaming his head off. So we both got up out of bed. Teresa went, went to one bedroom. I went to the other bedroom, and I was taking care of Lily. I finally went back to bed. I fell asleep. The next morning, Teresa's like, oh, man, it was a tough night. I was like, yeah, it was. She's like, at one point, I was in Lily's bed with Henry as well. And I was like, oh, I was asleep. <laughs> 
was resting peacefully in the guest room. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I had no clue about that. So, but, um, but yeah. So either way, I, I was looking at the clock and I was like, All right, I still got to drive home and do some different things. So, whereas you gentlemen are in your the comfy co- uh, confines of your own house. So. <laughs> So oh, I didn't disclose where I am. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, Will, uh, thanks for coming on. Any uh, last final word? Uh, no, just thanks for inviting me. It's been a lot of fun. Excellent. And Seth, um, I guess thanks to you as well. Thanks, buddy. Good job by you. <laughs> Good job by you as well. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And we you will... need to work on a sign-off. Yeah, I, yeah. There's nothing consistent. The only sign off we have consistent is just the the music. So thanks to Seth for that. So, um, but yeah. So in that case, um, everyone down. Oh, I was, the other thing I was gonna say is if people want to send in audio to be posted as well, more than welcome to do that. Cause um, Lord knows I have t- questions. What's that? Instead of you taking questions. Oh, if if people want to send in questions, we can do that during the podcast, or if we they want to send in a response. Yeah, they want to send in a response. <laughs> yeah, they want to send in a response. I'll be more than happy to post that up onto onto the um, the podcast as well, so people I'll do can a Squarespace read if you want. Me <laughs> <to>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so Will, Seth, thank you very much, and uh, that is all for this edition of the Mipicast. It's the Mipicast, and that was all. But next week we'll have some more. Doop 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 doop. Bizbot isn't real. <laughs>